going to be learning the first Sicha, which is also a Sim on the Sechus Yuma. We're going to be using the Lashon HaKadosh translation of the Sicha. Uh, for many, prefer that language. Uh, Regarding the Avoid of the Kain Gadol, Yom Kippur, it says in this week's parasha, Parashas Achrei Mois, that the, the Kain Gadol, when he does his confession, he, he brings kapara, and he's mechaper for himself, and also for his beisoy, for his home. For his home. So what does the word beisoy mean? So the Chazal tell us that beisoy means his wife, that he's asking for forgiveness for himself, and for beisoy meaning his wife. And the meaning, and the, the Chazal learned from this, that the Kain Gadol on Yom Kippur is obligated to be married, because since part of the Vedas asks forgiveness for his wife, you can't ask forgiveness if you're not married. So therefore, he has an obligation to be married on Yom Kippur. So he says, He says, this obligation of the, the Kain Gadol to be married is a special din which is only regarding the Avedah of Yom Kippur, but not regarding the Avedah of the rest of the year. He says, during the rest of the rest of the year, the Kain Gadol is allowed to join in and help with the daily Avaida. And on the contrary, every the Mishmar means the weekly group. Every week had a different group of Kainim who will come. So he says, whatever the week is, every Mishmar of every week, the Kain Gadol is always allowed to join in and help that Mishmar. And on the contrary, he's able to take first. He could pick which uh, parts of the Vida that he wants to do. Usually for the other Kayanim, they usually have some uh, different raffles, and they divide the daily Avaida based on a raffle. But the Kayan does not need to be part of that raffle. Rather, he can t- chooses what parts of the Avaida he wants to do on that day uh, before anybody else. But we do not see um, that the Kayan Gadol has any type of condition that he needs to be married during the rest of the year. This is a spe- special din which is said only regarding the Avaida that needs to be done on Yom Kippur. But the truth is, this, this idea, we need to have explanation for. He says, is the highest level. Uh, because on that day, there's a combination of all the high levels of Kedusha. It's the, it's the holiest place, it's the holiest time, and it's also the holiest neshama of the Jewish people. As it's, uh, it's known, the famous expression, that there's the world, there's time, and there's also the soul, and Yom Kippur has the greatest of all of them, as he explains. The void is done in the Kaidish Agdashim, which is the holiest place in the world. It's done on the holy day, as everyone calls it, which is the holiest time of the year. And it's done through the Kain Gadol, who is the greatest of all the Kainim. Um, as it says, he separated, the Kain Gadol separated from all the other, or distinguished from all the other Kainim to become holy like, uh, uh, become holy as a, uh, become holy as the Kaidish HaKadoshim, as the Holy of Holies. Meaning is that he's greater than his brothers also in Kedusha. 
Hagodl ma'achav goimer ki ani Hashem mekache. As it says, the kain who is greater than his brothers because I Hashem have made him holy. Meaning is the reason why the kain gadol has a greater level of kedusha than all the other kain is because Hashem gives the kain gadol this higher level of kedusha. And the point being is that on Yom Kippur we see it's the greatest combination of the highest levels of kedusha. So it's a very special day. He says, how could it be that the Avayda of Yom Kippur obligates the Kain Gadol to be married? Meaning, is, he's, as he's going to explain more deep, like the Pashist idea of being married, it seems like you're being more involved in the world. You have, you have a mar- you have, you're married, so you're taking care of your wife. If you have children, you're taking care of the kids. Uh, over here, it's more specifically the idea of being married. Why is that so important? That why does Yom Kippur obligate you to have this marriage. He says one of the preparations of Yom Kippur, which is actually taught in this Mishnah, is that Shivas Yom Mafrishan Kain Gadol on the base of Yachim Zayis bases Uishtei Tanali Kuvu B'Kain Gadol Dap Yom Kippur. He says one of the one of the things that they would do to prepare for Yom Kippur was the Kain Gadol would separate from his wife seven days before Yom Kippur and he would stay in the base of Mikdash, um, and that was for few different reasons. Part of it was to make sure that he wouldn't become Tame. Uh, other idea was that he was using that time period to uh, prepare for the Avoida, learning all the halachas and uh, practicing doing the Avoidas. But at the same time, we're saying that seven days before Yom Kippur, he had to be specifically separated from his wife. But on Yom Kippur itself, we're saying he has to be married in order for the Avoida of Yom Kippur to be kasha. So, Mzen Kupa Mucha, Shechiv, Akain Gadol, Yes Nasib, Yom Kippurim, so this itself is clear, and this proves that the obligation for the kind God to be married on Yom Kippur uh, contains within it a very special Indian, which adds to his shlemus, meaning that it adds to his completion, and it makes him a, makes him a greater person, makes him more uh, complete. And therefore, since it's Yom Kippur, which is the holiest day of the year, and the holiest place, and the holiest person, therefore it demands... The ultimate level of shleimus and being married uh, is it, it gives and adds to that shleimus. So of course the sikh we're going we're going to try to explain what exactly is the shleimus that is added through the idea of marriage. Basically, he says the explanation is did that the kain gadol needs to be married. We're able to explain in two ways. This is a halachic or talmudic type of way of of, of learning or understanding this din of being married on Yom Kippur. So one is, this is a din in the Avaida. We know that on Yom Kippur, there's many special Avaidas that were done only on that day of the year. For example, they brought um, the Ketairis inside the Kedish HaKadashim. We also know that they had the two Shnei Si'irim, where they had the raffle on. One would go to the Azazel, and the other one would be used uh, for a Kapar, which was brought into the uh, Heichel, which was shechted outside, but brought it, the blood was sprinkled on the Heichel, many, many special Avaidas. So, is it a din that since Yom Kippur has many special Avaidas, so for whatever reason, these special Avaidas, in order for to add in their completion, there needs to be a kind gadol that's married. Meaning is that these avoidists demand, in a sense, a certain level of completion, and these avoidists will only be complete and perfect if the one performing the avoida would be a kind gadol that's married. 
He says, Mitzad hachashivis vayilu shalavaydazu, Allah lost leoses loy de kain stam, loy de kain gadol. Loy de kain gadol stam, al ladafke de kain gadol shiyesh loy hamayla de beis hazishta. Meaning is, Mitzad the greatness and hachashivis of this avayda, it's not enough that a regular kain can do it. Rather, it has to be a kain gadol. And not just stam a kain gadol. It needs to be specifically a kain gadol that has this mayla of beis hazishta, meaning he's married. That's one way of looking at it. That avaydas demand a certain completion uh, which is the kind of being married to do to do those of this base Zehu din the this is a special din in the coin Godel himself meaning is that since today is Yom Kippur Yom Kippur is a very special day so therefore the one who performs the Avaidah of this day has to be a special person meaning the kind that one who's doing the Avaidah of, of the entire day has to be a, a very special person which would be the kind Godel who is married, meaning is it's not necessarily because you have, it's not because of the special Avaidists that are done, meaning it's that these Avaidists, you bring Tairus in the Kaidish or Gadashim on another day of the year, you wouldn't need the Kayan Gadol who is married to bring that carbon in. Liyutsur, there's such a concept. Um, but, because it's nothing to do with the Avaidah itself, rather what it's connected to is that on Yom Kippur, you need to have a special individual, a Shlemistic individual, Who's going to be the, doing the Aveda on that day? The Yom, and the Rebbe will give an Akmin Allah in a moment. He says, On this day, on Yom Kippur, the Kain Gadol needs to be on a very great and Shlemistic Amayla. Meaning, just like through, uh, we find many levels of a Kain Gadol, generally speaking, even throughout the rest of the year, there's many levels of a Kain Gadol. We have Meshuach um, B'Shemana Mishcha, Meruv B'Gadah Mekirtzah, you have the Kain Gadah who became anointed through the Shemana Mishcha. So that's the highest level of uh, Kuhuna. And then you have a secondary level, meaning is eventually the Shemen HaMishcha, which was used to anoint the Kain Gadol, was hidden. And the way that they became a Kain Gadol was by putting on the clothing of the Kain Gadol, which was not on the same level of Kedusha. And uh, it's even Negit, it's also relevant to Halacha, um, which you can look into our to see the differences. So we say that on Yom Kippur, we demand a, a certain level of Maila and Shlemus, which an additional Maila, which on Yom Kippur is Likuva, meaning is that he has to be married. Okay, so we need a certain level of a kind of level, uh, and that's a married kind of level. So it's not Mitzad Davaida, rather it's Mitzad the kind of himself. That on Yom Kippur, you need to have a perfect person. Um, Doing all the avayda. So hanafkin mina ben shteis for us elu lalacha. So what's the difference practically speaking lalacha between these two avaydas? He says v'yoyim hakipurim yeshnam gam avayda sanasis b'choliyim she'ene shayachis leyom ekurim dafka kugayin hakravas atmidim haktaris haktaris atavasineris b'kulu. He says on Yom Kippur there are many avaydas that were the daily avaydas that you would do throughout the rest of the year. It wasn't wasn't related to Yom Kippur specifically. For example, every day of the year, including Yom Kippur, they'd bring the Talmud in the morning, they'd bring the Talmud in the afternoon. They'd bring a Katyrus on a daily basis. They would also clean and light the Menorah on a daily basis. So those of God, these Avedis were done the whole year, and it was also done on Yom Kippur. So he says, So these Avedis were also done on Yom Kippur through the Kaindal, because on Yom Kippur, the law is that all the Avedis of the day, whether they're Yom Kippur Dika Avedis, or there are the daily avaydas that were always done. Everything had to be done through the kind of. So, 
So even though the Kedusha of Yom Kippur has an effect on all the Avedas, even those Avedas which are not specifically related to Yom Kippur, but the very fact that you're bringing this carbon tamid on Yom Kippur, it gives it a certain maila. Like the Gemara says, that it benefits it. The Gemara over there was talking about, it has a shaila uh, regarding, let's say, a carbon tamid and the carbon musaf. Right, so the carbon tamid is what was brought every single day, and the carbon musaf, uh, let's say, it's, it was brought only on on Rosh uh, on, on Yom Tavim, was brought on Shabbos. So the question is, which carbon should you bring first? Should you bring the carbon tamid because it's tader, uh, it's more common, and we have a rule tader she'ena tader tader kadim, meaning is whatever is more tader should always be brought first. Or the Gemara says, should we bring the carbon musaf because it's more holy? Why is it more holy? Because it's specially because it's connected to Shabbos or it's connected to Yom. So the Gemara says. That's not a question, because it says, he says, just like Shabbos ah, uh, helps the carbon Musaf and makes it Kaddish because the carbon Musaf needs to be brought on Shabbos, so the carbon Tamin, which is brought on Shabbos, also has that Kedusha of Shabbos. So the carbon Musaf has no greater Kedusha than the carbon Tamid, because even though the carbon Musaf is special for Shabbos, but since the carbon Tamid is also brought on Shabbos, they both have the level of Kedusha. So I was like, the carbon tamid has the greater maila. First, it's it's tadir, plus it has the, the greater level of kedusha, and the carbon musaf only has the greater level of kedusha. Uh, so that's what the gemara says. Ahani meaning is that just like uh, the the kedusha of Shabbos, the kedusha of Yom Tov helps for all the carbonas that are brought on that day. So we're saying same thing on Yom Kippur, even though it's a daily carbon tamid or the daily hatava saneris, uh, which is not you know, uh, designated specifically for Yom Kippur. But nonetheless, this, that it's brought in Yom Kippur helps, helps it out, meaning is that it gives it the level of Kedusha of Yom Kippur. So even though that's true, that it does have a certain level of Kedusha, but nonetheless, they are not similar to the Avedis which are done on Yom Kippur on its own. Meaning is that Yom Kippur Tikka Avedis would still have differences between the daily Avoda that was done in Yom Kippur. As we'll see in a moment, what? So according to this concept, you can explain as I. If we say like the first Eifin, that the Chiv, the Kain God to be married, is a Din in the Avoidus of Yom Kippur, meaning is that since these Avoidus have a, have a unique quality, that the Avoidus of Yom Kippur, therefore he needs to be married. So Ibezai, that would only be a condition in the special Avoidus of Yom Kippur. But the Avoidus, which are not designated for Yom Kippur, like the carbon Tamid, there would not be an obligation for the Kain God um, to be married. So this, you could say such a, such a Svar. But if according to the, but according to the second ayfin, that the obligation that the kain gadol needs to be b'shlemus, um, that the obligation for him to be married has to do with that a kain gadol you need a shlemus to a kain gadol on Yom Kippur, meaning is that the day of Yom Kippur since it's special needs to have a perfect kain gadol who's doing this the savaida. Then Sarf Lamer Shachiv Lias Nasu Gam Bashar Vedis Shar Ain Zad Din Ba Vedal of Kain Gadol Bahari Hu Shoisas Kolavedis Vemakpurn. Then we need to say that the obligation to be married would be in all the Avedis, even the carbon tummy, even the regular Avedis. Because this is not a din in the Avedis that the Avedis of Yom Kippur needs to have this quality. It's nothing to do with the Avedis. It rather has to do with the Kain Gadol. That on Yom Kippur, the Kain that on Yom Kippur, you need a married, uh, married Kain Gadol to do the Avedis. 
So Ibazai, if you need a married kind of then the universe doesn't really make a difference which Avaida he's doing. Right? The Vaidas themselves are not demanding that you need to have a married Kaingalo. It's that since today's Yom Kippur and everything on Yom Kippur needs to be done through the Kaingalo who's married. That the Ramam would hold like the second svar. He says, similarly, all the other Vaidas of this day, for example, the, the daily Kataris, and the cleaning uh, of, of, of the Neris, everything needs to be done through a married Kayin Gadol. So he says very clearly that the other Avodos of the day needs to be through the Kayin Gadol, so that would be fit according to the second uh, option. Okay. So, so to understand this concept and the, what the, the quality of of the kind of God being married, and specifically why it, what, that, that this idea that he has to be married is relevant to the shlemus of the kind of God and not to the Vaidya. We're going to explain another concept and then we'll get back to it. So it says in the Mishnah, this is the Mishnah we brought at the beginning. That the kind of God brings, has to, when he does his confession, he, 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 he does a confession for for himself and for his home, which means his wife. He says, since Beisai means his wife, so why doesn't it say over here clearly that he will bring forgiveness for himself and for his wife? Say it clear. Because Beisai not necessarily always means a wife. As we know, a few seconds later, the Kain Gadol does a second part, and the shot of Beisai over there means... Uh, it, it means also also the his brothers the Kayanim. So we see the word base. It doesn't necessarily always mean wife. So why use a word that could mean something else to say clearly that it's for Ishtai? He says He says majority of the time Ruba the Ruba the majority of the majority of the time. Explains ba'ariches in Yanam the Torah, which are said very, are, are said bekitzer, as it says the uh, expression of the Gemara. There's nothing that's not hinted into the Torah. So meaning is a Torah shabbat pack can have a very long ariches about something, and you'll find the source, you know, not even clearly in the Torah. Sometimes it could be a hint in the Torah. There's an extra word, an extra letter, uh, something like that. So it could be very, very uh, written, very, very little written in the Torah shabbat sav, but the Torah shabbat pack will explain it in ba'ariches uh, gedola. But he says, in our situation, the shot that the Torah says on the word is also one word. It says, So it's not giving any more arichas. So why don't you just, why didn't the Torah itself just say ishtai? Uh, Meaning is usually, the Torah is using another word, um, it could be because it's trying to come to teach us multiple dinah, multiple uh, halachas, or multiple concepts. So therefore, it makes sense. Okay, it uses that word, even though maybe it's not the clearest word, because it's not just trying to teach you one dinah. It's trying to take you many dinah, and all those dinah would only be uh, expressed through using a different type of word. But in our situation, there's no other dinah that are being learned out. It's all we're saying is that basically, you should say that that's all what Tarsh Papa says about it. So why doesn't the Tarsh just use that word, Ishtay? Uh, on its own. 
So we need to say against our we need to say that by saying uh, using the expression basoi, it's coming to stress on a certain and, and to focus on a certain aspect of the idea of ishtai, which is hinted in the words basoi. Meaning is by using the word basoi, it's expressing a certain concept which the word uh, in in marriage, which the word ishtai would not have expressed. Meaning is it's not just telling us the etzim din that the kain gadol needs to be married because. If that was the only thing it's teaching us, the Torah should have used the word Ishtai. Rather, it's coming to tell us that the fundamental reasoning why he needs to be married, because specifically when he is married, he has the quality of Ishtai Kabesai, that he has this quality of Ishtai Kabesai. So the Torah is also telling us what the concept, first of all, telling us what the concept is of being Mary, because of course that also, by knowing what the purpose is, that of course will help us make sure that the marriage and the, of the kind of besides for the etzim din that he's married, but also if he understands the reason behind it, he's able to focus on that reasoning and that kavana to make sure it's going to be also bishlemas. So in order to understand this maila of beis ishta, we need to first be makdim what we find in the shabbos that al miyar Rabbi Yaisi says, In all my days, I never called my wife, my wife, or my um, ox, my ox. Rather, I always call my wife, Basi, my home, and I call my ox, my field. So, Pierce Rashi, Ishti Basi, she ikr shabayas. Lashari sadi, shu ikr shasadi dixiv rav tfuis pekayachshar. He says, he called his wife my home because she is the mainstay of the home. And I called my shore, my field, because he is the mainstay of the field. As it says in the Pasuk, that there's much rave tfuos, that the abundance of tfuos comes specifically from the kayach of the shore. Meaning is, what's the tachlis of ishti? The tachlis of the ishti is that she's the home. She's the mainstay of the home. She creates the home. What's the tachlis of the ox is that he brings, he, he makes the field uh, successful. It's an abundant field. Which, which, with much tfua. So, v'shkafer b'shayne kashal avin. Amar shabi yad yaisi ba v'sug yasham mechativa achas im amar nesachim shabi yaisi aydas an hagas tayvis umin yazihiris vihidurim. So, meila moving shul kulam teichen meshutif. So, mahu teichen amayla vahidur van hagazu likrois li ishti basic l'shayri sadi. So, it's a shkafer b'shayne. When you look at this superficially, it's hard to understand what the gemara is trying to tell us. He says this this saying of Rabbi Yaisi. Is coming as a continuation um, from other sayings of Rabbi Yossi in that same sugya. In that sugya, it's talking about many different good customs and hidurim and, z- and things that he was careful about uh, of Rabbi Yossi, because his Rabbi Yossi is called Rabbi Yossi Achasa. So we're talking about all the different types of good haggis and, and different things that he said that would help us in our Avedis Hashem. So it's understood that all of them have a joint, a joint theme. So the question is, what's the theme and the maila, and what's the quality and if this particular hanhaga? Why is that a maila to call your wife my my home and my shore? He calls it sade. How is that as a hearers? How is that a midas chasidis? How is that going to help you with hanhagas taivus, uh, conducting oneself in a better way? So dalad habir bezak. 
But Agasa Shorab Yesi Bolu de Bitu Darke Babida, Ifin Histaklusa Yalabria Kulai. He says the conduct of Yesi expresses his Derech and the way that he viewed the world, the way that he looked at the entire creation. He says, Not only does he see and know that there is a Balabais, there's a God, there's a creator, there's an owner for this mansion, for this world. Not only did he see that whatever Hashem created in this world, everything is created in his honor. I mean, it wasn't just that he knew that everything was created by Hashem, and, and also knowing that everything that was created is specifically to serve Hashem and to add to the honor of Hashem. He says, rather, every single Indian, he saw the main purpose and the goal of that Indian. He didn't see the item for itself. He always saw what's the purpose of this particular item. Therefore, at such a level that he was able to see always the purpose of something, that when he would call this item by a name, he had to call it according to how he saw it in his own world. Therefore, he never called his wife my wife because he didn't see her as an Indian of a wife. He, he didn't see her as Ishti. He saw her as Basi, my home. So basically, when he was seeing his wife, he saw the purpose of marriage. He saw that marriage is a preparation for the ultimate purpose, which is fulfilling the mitzvah of having children and, st- and establishing a home, a Jewish home, which comes as a outcome of a marriage. So when he saw his wife, he didn't see his wife as something which is like a, 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 a what is the idea of the word? Ishti means, Ishti means that she's separated from the rest of the world and that she's designated for me, Right. So he didn't see his wife as something which was you're, 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 you're prohibited for anybody else, but you're designated for the husband. That wasn't what he saw because that's not the ultimate purpose. I mean, it's true there, that's a part of marriage is, is that she's your wife and she's designated to your home. Uh, and there's all the halachas that go with that. But that's not the purpose. This that she's designated for you is not just, you know, so you can have someone to, 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 to do things with and to have companionship. Rather, Rabbi Yisrael, what's the purpose of this? All the companionship and everything that comes with being married, there, there's a purpose to it. That's to build a home, a Jewish home. So therefore, when you recognize what the purpose of, some, of something is, you're able to make sure you're living your life, your day-to-day life, based on those principles. So when you have a decision to make, uh, you know, for example, should I spend $10,000 to go on a vacation with my wife? which would help us in our marriage, or should I spend $10,000 to make to send our kids to a better school or for chinuch or to make the home a better home? How do you make that decision? So if the main thing is you're going to be looking at is ishti, then maybe the conclusion will be that you know, we need to go out, have a vacation, that will help. If the main thing is the home, then maybe uh, it would be 
Okay, let's invest in the children. Let's invest uh, making the home a nicer home. I mean, of course, you could say it the other way around, you know, that in order to make have a greater home, you need to spend time with your wife. But the point is, at each situation, you need to look at what will enhance the home. So if going on vacation will enhance the home, ultimately, then that's what you do. If what will enhance the home more would be spending the money on the actual home itself, then that's what you do, right? So you have to look at, he was always looking at the ultimate purpose, which was the enhancement and having a greater bias to Yisrael. So whatever would facilitate that particular purpose, that ultimately what would would happen. So sometimes it might be going on vacation. Sometimes it might be investing in the home. But the only way to really make that decision is to know what your priorities are. So he knew what the priority was because he knew what the ultimate purpose was. He says, Mm-hmm. Asked, uh, explain, there's, there's a question, why don't we have a brach on marriage? Like, like we have brachas on other mitzvahs. So they explain, So they explain because marriage is only a preparation for the ultimate purpose, which comes only afterwards, which is fulfillment of the mitzvah of Puruvu. So therefore, there's no bracha on the Kedushan because you don't make a bracha on something which is just a preparation for something else. So, So this is how Rabbi Yossi's conduct was different than the conduct of his friends. The other Tanoim had times that they called their wife their wife because they saw the union of being married and Indian for itself, without and the tachlis of Basi, and before the tachlis of Basi, meaning is there could be times where before you can have Basi, you first need to have the concept of Ishti. Or sometimes there's, there's an Indian of Ishti on its own. As we're going to explain what that means. What does it mean, Ishti on its own? He says, This is actually the way of Taira to see the idea of marriage on its own, even without children, even without a home, that's actually something also which is very important. Like we have a dinner in the Torah and it's a time of war. It says that someone who just got married has to be, he's clean, meaning as he's free from any duties of the army for the first year, and the purpose of that is to bring joy to his wife, right? Meaning it's the first year of marriage, so there are no children. So we see there's a concept of marriage, even without children, that you need to uh, have, a, have a, a, a relationship for your wife. Meaning is a relationship, according to these other tonight, with your wife is a, is a very important concept, even on its own, not relevant to the concept of children. Um uh, well, let's read on because you'll see more examples. Also, by the time of the Regalim, the holidays, you're supposed to bring joy to your wife, and when you're bringing joy to your wife, that actually patches you from other types of obligation that the husband would have been obligated to. Since he's busy with he's patched from other things at that same time because he's busy with that. And this is another important idea. That when a man and a woman are zeichem, meaning is they have the shalom bias and they 
they, they have a good marriage, the Shekhinah is between them. So we see again the essential concept just of having a man and a wife, having Shalom Bayis and living in harmony and bringing Simcha to each other, that itself brings the Shekhinah to dwell upon them. So the idea of marriage on its own, of having two people, the husband and the wife together, that is a very special Indian. And therefore these other Tanayim would sometimes call Ishti Ishti, meaning is that they needed to focus on their marriage just inside the Indian of marriage. Similarly, other Inyanim, that are part of the life of marriage between a man and a woman, they saw it as an Indian for itself. Um, and that, of course, was the Nahagar of other Tanayim, which is also very important. Right now we're discussing Rabbi Yaisi, what his opinion was. He had a different derech, and he had a different seder in his, his, his conduct. He says, He says, He says, His entire, the whole concept of his married life was only to fulfill the mitzvah of having children and to fulfill the kvana that the world was created not to be um, a place of chaos, but rather to be a place where you're able to live. L'shavet Sitzara, that Hashem created the world in order to make it a place where it's you're able to live in a civilized and um, controlled way. So ha- having marriage, that's a way that brings the world a certain level of calm and a certain level of peace. Therefore, right at the beginning, he saw this concept of Ishtai, he saw what's the purpose of Ishtai, he saw the purpose of it was ultimately the Inyana of Beisai. Um, ultimately, the, you know, there's might be, I think what he's trying to say is that true, there might be certain value um, to Ishi Ishtai, the Inyana of marriage, just on its own. But when you look at the more global type of uh, advantage of the global quality of marriage, there is a much greater one, which is the idea of, of, of making the world, building the world, cultivating the world, making the world a good place. And that's by having homes. So true, maybe on an individual level, um, there's a concept of each, each like the other time are seeing, but Rabbi is not looking at it at an individual level. He's looking at it as what's the real purpose, the ultimate purpose of it is the union of just creating a world where uh, we have families and we have a place which is civilized and a place which is cultured and a place where people are able to live, uh, not with Taihu, but rather they're able to live the Shabbos in, 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 a, in, a, in a good way. So Dugma Ladavar gives an example. He says, We're going to try to give an example of this ability of Rabbi Yossi. We're saying Rabbi Yossi, whenever he saw something, he always saw what the ultimate purpose of that union is. So we're going to give an example of, of this concept as we see in the Chazat. As who is a wise man, he who's able to see the future or, or see the consequences. The Pashupshad is a Chachm understands and knows with, for everything that happens, what is the consequence that will happen to it in the future? Because something is done, what, what, what's the result of that? But there's a deek in this Mishnah. It doesn't say he knows what the consequences are. Rather, it says he sees the future. He sees what the consequences are. Seeing is a much greater appreciation than just knowing. Chacham sees the future and the consequences 
in the uh, the same way a person sees what's happening to him uh, right now. So when you're seeing something, you, you, you experience it. It's not just something you know in your seicha, but you're experiencing it also emotionally. Um, and, you know, that excites you, might give you fear. But when you know something, not, not necessarily will that bring you the same level of excitement or fear. But the Chacham, he's seeing it right now, what's going to be in the future, so that right away it brings that same level of happiness or, or fear as if, he's, as if it's happening at that particular moment. So there's a mighty So there's a special quality in this that he has, he's seeing it, because you can't compare understanding or hearing something to seeing something. Uh, and this is even true when the Shmiya is what you're hearing is a true thing that you're hearing, and it has a very powerful effect on the person. Like we see by Yisrael, it says, what did he hear and caused him to come to the desert and ultimately to Mizgaya? What did he hear? He heard something. He heard the miracles that happened to the Yidin, and he came. But nonetheless, what do we see? That even Yisra that heard, it wasn't enough that he just heard. He also had to come. Because he needed to see with his eyes in order to accept um, the Shlemus Adavar, the, the, the glory of the Yidin. Because you can't compare just hearing to seeing. So, you know, he, he couldn't just stay in Midjoin and convert there. Rather, he first had to come to the desert and see the Yidin and, and be with them. To, 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 to this is the Ma'ila of the Chacham that he sees with his Seichel with such a power until he's seeing the Ma'ila. He doesn't just know or understand it. And that's the same idea with Rav That when he saw something, when he saw an ox, he didn't see the ox, he was able to see what the ultimate purpose was. So therefore he was able to conduct himself Appropriately based on what he sees, the ultimate uh, concept behind uh, a particular item is. Now we can understand why this Maimer Rabbi comes right after a previous saying that he says. He says, I had five uh, marital relations and I planted five uh, cedar trees, meaning I had five children, Yisrael. So what's the connection? Because the this mimer that preceded, this saying that preceded, uh, the saying of I only call my wife my home, explains it. He says, meaning meaning is that the seder hagar he saw Ishti not as a concept that could be on its own. He only saw the union of Ishti as a purpose of establishing a Jewish home. Therefore, the previous minor saying that in my married life, I only had five married relations. And why did I have these five married relations? Because I had five children. So he's connecting that even married relations, it's not an union just to bring a simcha uh, to the man and the wife just by being intimate with each other. But by him, the intimacy had to have a purpose. And that purpose was having children. Um, maybe, maybe I should point out that, of course, halakhically, we know that one of the reasons of intimacy, of course, is to bring simcha between a man and a wife, even if, if they're, even if it's not related specifically to children. But anyways, right now, again, we're talking about Rabbi Yossi, and we're saying is that he always saw, uh, 
what, what, what the ultimate purpose was. And this was a special Hanhaga of Rabbi And of course, we could uh, try to live up to it as much as we can. Yes, or okay. And Loi Rakhbi, Minah Amidabar, Fat, Bebas, Yisrael, Hayyaroyah, Satach, Lisbavad, Alavaderzu, Roa, Gamas, Minachai, Sheri, Hakoyolo, Gamas, Tatuas, Kloimas, Chalka, Ba'ilam, Achlalas. This is more than this. It wasn't just in the human species, and especially a Jewish uh, girl, he was able to see what the ultimate purpose is. But he was able to see it even in the animal kingdom. He saw in his ox what the, the purpose was, and even saw, which, which, was, which, is, which includes the idea of Tvua. The, the concept of of uh, of the grain, meaning is that he saw in his chelka ba'elam. And Chassidus will explain the chelka ba'elam is that every person has uh, a certain part of the world that it's his job to elevate it and purify it and reveal Hashem in that portion. So we're saying is that Rabbi Yossi in his chelik, anything that he saw, anything that was part of his world was part of his responsibility to elevate. He always saw the ultimate purpose of it. Gam b'shor ra. Even an ox, he saw the ultimate purpose of its existence, which was field. He saw the idea that the purpose of the shore is there's much, there's plentiful tfua that comes through the power of the shore, which that includes or comes through um, plowing the field, sowing the field, harvesting the field. Meaning is even at right at the beginning, even before he had the tzad, the uh, uh, the outcome of that, you know, he needed to actually do the work of the harisha and the zriya. He says right away, miyamai. He always called it shari my shari because he always saw what the purpose of shari was, and of course that would make a big nafkimina. Because if you recognize what the ultimate purpose of what your acquisition is, you bought an ox, but you don't know what the ultimate purpose is, you could be buying an ox that's not the best for that particular uh, avoid of the field. If you know that the whole purpose of this ox is to uh, use for, 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 uh, for farming, then you're going to be getting a different ox than if you think it's going to be used for shrita or for, for it's a milk cow, something like that, right? Meaning is... It's important to know right away what the ultimate purpose is because then you're able to make decisions and train the ox in a certain way, feed the ox in a certain way, whatever needs to be done in order to get the ox to its ultimate potential of Sade will be done. If you didn't have that and you, you, you don't even know what it's for or it's not clear to you what it's for, then maybe different decisions will be made um, because you don't see the ultimate purpose. Hey, so as we've said at the beginning, we, we now we understand the great mile of the Chayim Gadol to be to be married on Yom Kippur, and Daf in a way of basis the Ishtai, right? As we said before, that we proved that again that the Chayim Gadol needs to be married specifically only on Yom Kippur, not for the rest of the year, and that adds to the mile of Yom Kippur. And then we also so we want to know how does that add in the mile, and then we said a second thing is that the Torah uses the word Beisai. So we ask, why doesn't it say the word Ishtai? So we explain by saying the word Beisai, it gives us the Yisai, it gives us the fundamental concept behind the idea of the kind of being married. So now we can understand it. Meaning is, the reason why the Torah uses this expression Beisai, which means Ishtai, because in addition to having a wife bepayel, right, you need to be married. Halachas needs to be married, but it needs to be in a way the kain gadol needs to see his wife in a way of beisai. 
זהו שלם וסמיילה הנספס גם בוי עצמי. כמו שאומר חז"ל, כל מי שאין לו בעיה, אין לו אדם. הידי שלא יש לו בעיה, הוא מגיע למיילס אדם. אז חז"ל אומר, whoever doesn't have a home is not considered a person. is not an other. Meaning is that through having a home, he reaches the darga of Adam. As we know, there's many, there's different expressions that are used in Torah to describe Adam. There's Anish, Gever, Ish, and Adam. Adam is the highest expression of man, which expresses someone that has perfection in Seichol and also his emotion. So someone who has a home has that perfection, especially if he has a happy home and a home with the Shalom bias, and of course that's what kind of would have, would, would add to his emotional and intellectual and physical well-being, right? People with happy homes and healthy homes are people that are very successful people. They're happy people and they're healthy people. So the kind Gadol had to have this Maila. So if he only saw the Inyan of Ishti as Ishti, then he would be lacking in the Maila of Beisai, because ultimately the greatest Maila a person can have is to have a home. That's the Maila, not just uh, having a, a woman to live with, but also having children and, and building a life with her and, and having children and, and, and doing all the things that a family needs, that specifically will add in the quality of Adam. Let's look at a few R's where the Rebbe explains this idea in more detail. R28, this is Noisat on the Forish, Kolon Shema Ishei Adam, any Adam. It says that, that it's, this is addition when it says explicitly in the Gmar Yuvam is that any person that doesn't have a wife is not a man. So this is an addition because A, of course, is a mile of having Isha, just being married adds a certain mila to the person. But in additional mila of the union of Isha, especially according to Abiyasi, there's a mila of Basi, having a home. If you look at Zerche Gimel, it says, Palagufe, a person, the, the wife is half of his body. It also says that he called the man. This is the only way. It says, Zachar Nekev Abraham, it says he called the man, Adam. So you see, a man is specifically when it's Ish vi Ishtai. Uh, even though over there, again, it's actually not even expressing so much the idea of the baseline, but if Ken, I guess, according to Rebiyasi, he always says, you always look at what the ultimate purpose is. So the ultimate purpose of the Isha, the ultimate purpose of Zachar and Kei is to create that baseline. Look at R29, Ram of Re'e Yavam Isham, Amar Rilaz, Akal Abun She'en Le'Karka Ene Adam. And Taisvis, Devermasal She'en Karka Livnitz Allah Shidrava. It says, any person does not have ground is not a person. Taisus explains, what do you mean a ground? It means a ground that you're able to live on. Again, that's the idea of having a home. So part of uh, you know, having a home uh, is also important. Okay. Zehu atam, diyak lashon akasav, basic le ishti. Lahadish, a kangadu tzark, liyaz pedagis ishti, basic kipir shadvar, metosh vavhab, ben hangasa shabiyayisi kal yamis. Now we understand the deek and the pasik. Or it says Beisai, it doesn't say Ishtai. This is to stress that Kain Gadol needs to have the Darg of Ishtai as the union of Beisai, as, as it's explained in Tarsh Palpat from the conduct of Rabbi and he says, since the mile this din that the kind of needs to be married in Kippur is not just an obligation stam, but rather it's not just he has to be married. Rather, we're learning from the Pasik that this that he has to be married, the purpose is this to add to the shlemus of the Kaingodl. When he recognizes basis of Ishtai, this adds to the Kaingodl that he becomes an Adam. Therefore, according to the second spar, which was again the way that the Rambam looks at it, and this is the way the Sikha is. Uh, going to be developing this concept, this is not a din in the avoida of Yom Kippur. 
that the avoider needed to have somebody that was uh, married. No, it's not nothing to do with the avoider. It's a din in the kind gadol. The kind gadol need to be a shleimistic person. A kind gadol need to be an other. On Yom Kippur, you can't just have anybody um, in the, you know doing the avoider. Uh, trying to bring kapara for all the Jewish people. No, you needed a special person. You needed a kind of that he needs to be on a certain level. He needs to be on the level of somebody that had Ishtai, Zu, Besa. And therefore, as we said earlier, it's not just going to be for those special Yom Kippur Dekavitis. It's everything that has to do with that day. Everything that has to do with Yom Kippur has to be done specifically by the kind of. So this is the end of the first part of the Sicha. And now, Sivvav uh, is, is going to take this concept and connect it as to the, as a siyum. Um, it's, it's known the sicha was said as a siyum on the sechaz yuma. Um, so the rebbe is going to connect this concept to the beginning of the masechta and also to the end, as it's known. Let's read inside. You do a beihas cholas ha The siyum on the masechta yishkefa shaykh. It's known that the between the beginning of the masechta and the end of the masechta, there's a connection between them. Therefore, this is the reasoning of the minig when one saying a hadron to find a concept which is which is uh, which is both in the beginning and the end. So a concept which is expressed in the beginning of the masechta and the end of the masechta. Similarly, in our situation, he says, this concept, which said in the first Mishnah of Masechus Yuma, which is Beisai Zu Ishtai, the Kain Gadol needs to be married, and married in a way of Beisai Zu Ishtai, has a connection with the last, the end of the Masechus, the last Mishnah of the Masechus. The Amr Reikiva, Shreichim Yisraelifnei, Mi Ata Metara. A Mi Metara Eschem, Avichim Shubishmayim. Reikiva says, happy or fortunate are the Jewish people, because in front of who do they become Tahar, and who purifies them this is their father in heaven. Um, there's many inter- different interpretations. It seems like a double expression. In front of who do you become Tahar? And who is Matariu? Uh, there are different interpretations what exactly is the differences, but the Rebbe is not going to really so much focus on this line, so I'll just give you one interpretation from Marsha that he says, Lefnei Mi'at Matar means in front of who does your body become purified? And Mi Matar Eschem, and who purifies you is referring to the Neshama. Right, so there, there's a virus that are more connected to the body, and there's more virus that are connected to the neshama. Uh, so therefore, you have this double expression. But again, you can look at the Mefar Shem Mishnah. There's a few different shatim. But maybe very, very simply, all it's saying is, in front of who, in front of who will you be when purity comes? You're going to be in front of a shat. But and who is the one that does that tahara? The one who does the tahara is a uh, shat. Avicham Shabashmai. Shanamar, as it says in the Pasuk, it says, I will sprinkle upon you the purifying waters and you will become pure. It says um, that Hashem is the mikvah of the Jewish people, just like a mikvah is metaher. Those who are tamay, similarly, Hashem will purify Yisrael, will purify the Jewish people. So, in order to understand the connection between the first Mishnah and the last Mishnah, we need to first uh, understand uh, different questions and yukim in the words of Rabbi Kiva. Once we understand this Mishnah well, then we could connect it back to the first Mishnah. He says, Allah, Lechaira, my Kamash Malan, Rabbi Kiva, Harizahu, Dover, Hamuvin, may love Sharaka Kurdish for Huhushmatar, Es Hatayim Shal Yisrael. He says, what's the Chiddush? What's the Kamash Mulan? What's Rabbi Kiva trying to teach us? This is something moving. It's understood on its own that only Hashem 
will purify the Jewish people from, the sin, from their sins. As it's said in many, many psukim, in Chumash and Tanakh, all over the place, who's the one that gives you forgiveness? Who's the one that purifies the Jewish people? Of course, it's going to be Hashem. So what is Rikibi being Mechadish? He's telling us, Beferish of Sukkim, of course Hashem is the one that bring us, brings us purity. That it's even more than that, Rabbi Kiva comes as a continuation to another saying in the Mishnah. Right before Rabbi Kiva saying, it brings a drush of Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. And then he says, it says in the Pasik, um, it says, This is in this week's parsha, which I'll translate, well, simple translation could be, from all of your sins, you'll be purified before Hashem. Rabbi Yelazman Azari reads a little differently. He reads it, All your sins that were done in front of Hashem, meaning as it was done in front of Hashem and not in front of people, you will become purified. So what are our verses that are done only in front of Hashem? These are verses of other Lamakim. So Yom Kippurim is Mechaper. So the sins that are verses between man and Hashem, Yom Kippur is Mechaper. These are the sins that are done specifically in front of Hashem and not in front of other people. But But the Averis that are done between man and his friend, Yom Kippur will not bring you forgiveness until you appease your friend. Okay? Because if these are Averis that aren't done specifically in front of Hashem, they're also done you know, against another person, so it would be also usually in front of other people. So, Amr Khan, Shatar, Vakpur, Shem Kippur, Hain Lufne Hashem. He says, from this that the, what we're saying over here, that the purity and the forgiveness on Yom Kippur comes of Hashem, it's understood that Kapara is coming from Hashem. So what's exactly Rabbi Kiva adding on that which is known automatically or Manela from Rabbi Lezman Azari's Vart? So it's very clear. It says, Lefni Hashem Tatar. It's a Pasuk. Rabbi Lezman Azari even quotes it. And if the main Chidosh of Rabbi Kiva is just to say who brings the Kapara, then even from Allah's ben Azari, who's talking about what type of Averis Hashem gives you forgiveness for, but who's the one giving you the forgiveness? It's Hashem. Well, yeah, Rabbi Azari might differentiate between one type of Averis and a different type of Avera, but of course it's always who's the one that's going to bring that Tahara is of course going to be Hashem. Right? It says, Ein Yom Kippur Mechapi. Yom Kippur is not going to bring forgiveness until you ask your friend for forgiveness, until you're Maratza, your friend. Once you're Maratza, your friend, then Yom Kippur would be Mechapa, would bring forgiveness to you. So it's clear that it's even by Ben Adelokhaveroi, it's also Hashem bringing you forgiveness. You just need to first be Maratza, your friend. So what's Rabbi Kiva adding? And Bez, Hatmiya Avgadei Lemezu. Second question is even a greater wonder. Why does Rabbi Kiva need to bring two proofs from the Vian? He brings one proof from a Pasuk in Yechaskel, and it's not enough with just one proof from Yechaskel. He brings a second proof from Yermia. Well, Chayra, this is a Klar Pasuk in Chumash, brought in this week's Pasha, and Rabbi Lezman brought it, that on this day, on Yom Kippur, Hashem will give you kapara to purify you from all of, of your sins, in front of Hashem, you will become purified. But Andrava, he says, 
says, on the contrary, he says, that this passage is actually more clear the two points that Rabbi Kiva says. First point Rabbi Kiva says is, in front of who do you become pure? So the passage says, and the second part says, who will purify you? It says, that Hashem will be will purify you. So Lechayr should have just brought that passage. And don't say that Rikiva is arguing on Rabbi Lezmizaria, and he holds that Hashem brings forgiveness even for Averis that are between man and his friend, even when he does not appease, appease his friend. Meaning Hashem will forgive for everything. And that's why he doesn't want to bring uh, this pasuk as a proof, right? Because he wants to bring psukim, which which would express that Hashem is forgiving you for all sins, even sins which are between man and his friend. So if he would have brought the pasuk Rebbelazim and Azariah, even though of course he would have, you know, translated it differently than him, because he doesn't learn it the same way as Rebbelazim, he would translate it, as, as, you know, the more simple way, which is literally Nifnei Hashem all the sins that you have done, you become purified in front of Hashem. But he could not use that pasuk because that pasuk will not express the idea that Hashem will forgive you for all of your sins, right? He says, but you can't even say that. Because from the expression that it says Amar Rabbi Kiva, that we have a rule that whenever it says Amar, and then it says the name of the Tana, that means he's not arguing; he's actually just adding. So it's understood that Rikiva is not arguing with Allah's desire, he's just adding to his words. So Rikiva is learning that Pasik the same way Rabbi Allah's desire is learning the Pasik that Hashem does bring forgiveness um, for all of your sins, which are Bain Adam Lamakim on Yom Kippur. And but regarding Bain Adam Lachavera, you only get that forgiveness from Hashem on Yom Kippur once you first ask for forgiveness from your friend. So Ibizai, he could have brought that Pasik. That Pasik would have said, um, exactly what he holds regarding which sins Hashem brings forgiveness and how that forgiveness comes, and also would have expressed his main point, which was who gives you that tahara, and in front of who that tahara happens, which is in front of Hashem. So you can't give that explanation. You also cannot say that Rekiva is coming to Moisif and to stress another point. That even after you appease your friend, nonetheless, the sinner, even after he, even for sins which are between you and your friends, you still need a tahara from Hashem. Meaning is, you might have thought that if you sinned against your friend, as soon as your friend forgave you, you're automatically cleansed. You know, you, you did something wrong, you ask forgiveness, automatically it's, the, the, the roishim, this mark, just disappears because he forgave you. You don't need any power from Hashem. It automatically disappears when there's no when the when when your friend forgives the aver. He says, and and therefore Rikiva is trying to tell you that even in a situation when your friend forgave you, nonetheless you still need tara from avichin shemeshmayim, and that's why he brings these psukim about how Hashem is the one that purifies us. He says that cannot be the chiddush of Rikiva. He says, because explained in many places, this is a very, very common idea, that even mitzvahs that are between man and his friends, the main point of the mitzvah, the ikr, the essential aspect is that it's really mitzvah shabin adam lamakim. 
Um, why? Because even this mitzvah, the reasons why we fulfill these mitzvahs, not the steal, not the murder, is all because that's what Hashem commanded. Hashem commanded us to have these mitzvahs ben So it's not enough just to ask forgiveness from your friend, because the sin is not just against your friend. Yes, maybe the physical pain might have been from your friend, and that's why you need his forgiveness, but ultimately the sin was really against Hashem, because he's the one that commanded you not to do it. Therefore, it's understood automatically that even after you appease your friend, that would only fix the portion of the mitzvah which is connected to your friend, the pain that you caused him. But in order to be completely purified, meaning is even from this that you went against the command of Hashem, you need to get the tower of Hashem. Just like by mitzvahs ben Adel Lamakim, you need to tar for Hashem. Same thing by mitzvahs ben Adel Lamakavir. And even Rabbi Lozav and Azariah would agree to that. So everybody agrees to that. This is a common, first of all, it's a common thing that's found in many places. And more than that, it wouldn't, uh, every, even Rabbi Lozav and Azariah would uh, agree to that. And he also holds that in his statement. So we're be, meaning is that even when he says that you need to be to your friend, even Rabbi Lozav and Azariah means that you're to the friend and you also get kapar from Hashem as also has as I explained earlier, from, even from his words, you can see that, because he says, oh, actually, the rabbi's going to bring it. He says, Therefore, this idea is a stress in the words of Rabbi Lazar ben because he says that verse between man and his fellow, the Yom Kippur will not bring forgiveness until he's Meratza. Meaning is that even after he appeases his friend, you still need the Kippur of Yom Kippur which comes through Hashem. So those are the first two questions. A, why uh, does Rabbi Kiva need to tell us an obvious concept that Hashem brings Tahara? B, the second question is, why doesn't he just bring a Klor Pasuk from Chumash? Uh, and instead, what he needs to do is he brings two Rayas from the Vim. So why do you need these two Rayas? And why doesn't he bring the Pasuk from Chumash? And the third question is we're going to read like now. Oh, the third question is, why does Rabbi Kiva need to bring a second proof? As he expresses, as we know, the Gemara says, my whenever it says, it's saying, it means it's trying to add something. He's adding a second proof. So the question is, why is the first proof not enough that he needs to say the second proof uh, also? Meaning, is the first proof you can upshlag and therefore he needs to bring a second raya so what exactly is, what, what would be the upshlag, I guess? Zayn. Sabir B'zes. We're getting explanation in this Mishnah. And now we're going to also connect it to the beginning of the Masechta. K'shem Shin is dar bin Nidun. Shvas halas ha-Masechta. Shemai lezu of beis ishtay. Eine t'nai ba'avod yasemi kapurim. El hi ma'ila v'shleinus b'kanga v'gufa. Just so we can explain. In the beginning of the Masechta, the t'nai'la, this quality of beis ishtay is not a t'nai in the avoid of Yom Kippur. Rather, this is a maila and a shleimus that adds to the kain gadol. Therefore, this maila and the shleimus is not shaykh specifically to the special avodas yom kippur. Rather, it's for all the avodas of the yom, all the avodas that you do that day, as the Rambam Similarly, it's explained the end of the Sakta. Uh, we could use the same concept um, 
about the shleim, just like we have the idea of the shleimus of the kangal, we'll see a similar idea also at the end, that regarding the kapara and the tara that's done in Yom Kippur. Rabbi Lazman Azai is only teaching us that Yom Kippur is Mechapar, and it's possible that this Kapar comes because of that, because of the day, as we know that Yom Kippur is the holiest day. So, that the Kapar that comes in Yom Kippur is not only because of the great qualities and the special Kedusha Yom Kippur has. He says, the, it, there's another concept, that on Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur has a special quality that it's able to reveal the mile of the great quality of the Jewish people. That the Jewish people are fortunate. The Kippur of Yom Kippur is because of the connection between the Jewish people and Avichim Shemshmai. That's also the Diyak. Of why it says in the Mishnah, Avichim Shemeshmai, why don't you say in front of Hashem? Because it's trying to show is that Shreichim Yisrael, that you have a Vicham, and therefore, since you have a Vicham, which is revealed that Hashem is your Vicham on Yom HaKippur, and therefore that brings forgiveness. Right, so, so, okay. So this Chiddush, that the forgiveness comes, that there's a forgiveness that comes inside the mile of the Jewish people, he brings from the, the raya of that, I will sprinkle upon you the pure waters, uh, which this is a proof that Hashem forg- brings to to the Jewish people, even when it's not Yom Kippur, because this Pasuk is actually talking about the Zman that Hashem will, uh, even though the Jewish people, as, as, as the Hemshech over there says, have done many uh, things which are wrong, nonetheless, the time the Gula will come, and I will purify you all and bring you back there to Israel, etc., etc. But the point is, what we're trying to show is that it's not even on Yom Kippur. So if forgiveness only comes inside Yom Kippur, then there shouldn't have been any Zerak the Aleichaman term unless that was on Yom Kippur, which we know it's not, because it's just referring to loss of love. It's not on a specific date. It's about the time period. So how could we have Kapara if it's nothing, nothing to do with Yom Kippur? Elamai the kapar that happens la'asad is because we're Hashem's children. And Hashem is going to reveal that maila that we were His children la'asad and therefore that will bring the kapara. So it's not the quality of Yom Kippur that brings the, 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 the forgiveness or the main forgiveness. Rather, Yom Kippur is Megala that we're Hashem's children. Similarly, so what's the proof that the main thing is that we're Hashem's children? It's because la'asad when it's not Yom Kippur, we'll also get a forgiveness. Why? What's the common denominator? It's not Yom Kippur. Elamai, it's the Milo, the connection that we have to Hashem, that we're His children. Yeser Mazu, Makasav Ezerak, the Igaim, we're moving Shatara, Mitis, Begula, Hasidim, it's Amalos, and Shayisrok, Shalatma, Shafiluk, Shachatu, Shachatu, Banahin. That from this Pasek, it's understood that the Emes, Satara, and the Gula Sida is the, the, the quality of the Jewish people themselves. Because even when they have sinned, they are still my children. Because it's not even the and the truva that the Jewish people have done, we're still going to get this forgiveness. Why? It's because we're his children. As the, as the Navi Cheskel said over there, it's not for your sake that I'm doing this face Israel. So it's not clear, it's not for the sake of the Jewish people because they might not be deserving of it. Vazarakti and I will still sprinkle. Right, so 
Meaning is that the tar does not come because of the holiness of the day that it's Yom Kippur, or the holiness of the place that it's an avoid in the Kedush Hashem. It doesn't even come mitzvah the Bnei Yisrael being in a matzav of kedusha, because they weren't, as we said, they were in a matzav of sinning. Rather, it comes from the Milo that the Jewish the the the, 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 the Milo of the Jewish person beetsem. And we have this quality that we are Hashem's child. Um, look at our 47 star. So we do sometimes need tshuva. When needs to be tshuva, what's the idea of tshuva? The tshuva is like how what the Raman explains, that when a person doesn't want to do a mitzvah, we force him to do it. Uh, but by, by, for example, he doesn't want to give a get. So we force him to give a get. So I, we know the rule by a get, the person has to want to give the get. If he doesn't want to give it and you force him to give the get, it's not a good get because he has to want to divorce his wife. But when Bezim forces him to give the get, then we say it's good. Why? You're forcing him. The Raman explains this because the person really wants to do what Hashem wants. So the Bezim makes a psaktin that this, of course, is what Hashem wants, that he should give a divorce. Um, so by them forcing him, what they're really doing is they're just removing the Yitzhar, they're removing the things that are holding him back from doing what he truly wants to do. He truly wants to do what Hashem wants, but there's his ego or whatever else is involved that holds him back. So similarly, when you meet Tshuva, Tshuva is not what brings the Kapara. It's really that you're the child of Hashem. You have this Etzim connection. What does Tshuva do? Tshuva does is it helps reveal that Etzim connection. By removing all the sins that you've done, you return to Hashem, that reveals the connection that you had with Hashem, and automatically the various are forgiven. So therefore we need to say that even the Torah for the Jewish people that comes to Yom Kippur, it's not only because of the day itself, but it's rather the Be'ikr, the main thing is, it's on the, the mile of the Jewish people. But if it only would have had this one possible, it would not be a complete proof that the Torah comes because of the essential quality of the Jewish people. He says, you could upshlug the Ryan and say, you know what, it's not because of the Etzimah of, of the Jewish people, rather it's because of the time. It's a special time period. It's a Dizman It's an Ace Ratzin. It's a special time. Therefore, just like Yom Kippur, which is a special time, brings Tahara, therefore also this Ace Ratzin, the Dizman also brings a Tahara. But it's not because of the quality of the Jewish people. Therefore, Rabbi Kiva needs to bring another proof from the Pasuk of Mikvah Yisrael Hashem. And that Pasuk that Hashem is a Mikvah Yisrael that Yermina said, it's not talking about a eight ruts, it's not talking about Yom Kippur, it's not talking about the Gullah. And also, if you read the Perak in Yermina, it's also talking about when the Jewish people were not doing what Hashem wants. Nonetheless, even though they were not doing, uh, they're doing things like the bites, Pasik still says that Hashem is our mikvah and He will purify us just like a mikvah purifies the Jewish people. So according to this, Rabbi Kiva only should have brought the second Pasik because the second Pasik seems much clearer. Uh, to, that, that it has to do with the essential quality of the Jewish people that brings the Tahar. So why does Rabbi Kiva just bring the second Raya? 
Al derech tefillah mikveh. He says the differences between the psukim is when it says zerachni, I'll sprinkle upon you. This is similarly to a tahara that comes through sprinkling, as uh, we learned in last week's parsha, Tzriyim Mitzayra, that somebody who become that, that's that's Messiah, which is also actually he's over here. So that's one level of tumah. The Mitzayra is the deepest level of tumah. He has to be. Uh, sent out of all three camps, and he needs a hazah. But actually, the Rebbe's over here is referring to another type, when a person becomes tamei mace. When a person becomes tamei, he touches a mace, that is the strictest level of tumah. The mace is considered avia doisa tumah. Um, so the only way for him to get purification is through hazah, through being sprinkled on with the uh, the waters, which were mixed with the ashes of the paraduma. So first difference is that Hazah is from someone who's pure sprinkles the the mechatis on somebody who's tame. So it's you don't do it yourself. Someone else sprinkles you. But tfila is through you do it on your own. And based tumas mace is specifically the hazah which will purify the tumas mace. Uh, he says a tar in the mikvah, a person is able to do on his own. He's able to do with his own kayach, to his own avayda. Um, right? Because who, 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 you go into the mikvah on your own, as you said. But when he's on the level of Tmei Meis, meaning as you... It's not, you don't see in a revealed way. It doesn't have any connection. It says you are connected to Hashem, but Mela, you are in a level of life. But when he's on the level to Mace, that means he's completely cut off in a revealed sense, of course, to being attached to Hashem. Therefore, he's not alive. He's like a mess. Then he needs the special thing of Zerati that comes by Mela. Then he needs the special quality of connection that comes from above. Because his own Avaidah would not be able to reconnect him because he's he's a finite being, he's a Gvul, and he wants to connect to Hashem, but he already separated that connection. So if he separated, he cannot recreate it. Rather, what he needs is he needs a Kesher, the, the essential quality that comes from Hashem, which always remains complete. And uh, how does that come? It's revealed specifically from above. And that brings... Uh, the, the, the forgiveness. Since, he says, the main point that Rabbi Kiva is trying to prove is that the Tyra of the Bnei Yisrael comes because of their Mail HaAtzmas which is higher than any type of limitations of time, and it's also not even limited to the, the, the level that the Jewish people are on. Therefore, he first brings the Pasuk of Zerati, because Zerati, the, the, the Tahara that comes from Zerati, that Shem is sprinkling upon us, the Meitahara, that is a Tahara that comes from the Etzem level of the Jewish people. Meaning is, that even though we are like the level on a level of Tmeimes, we've completely in a, uh, severed our connection to Hashem in a revealed way. There's no connection in this world that we can see with Hashem. Nevertheless, since we are essentially connected, Hashem will bring that tahara to us. He will reveal that connection, and once that connection is revealed, we will also become purified. Therefore, that's the main passage, because that's the main point um, that Rabbi Kiva is trying to stress. 
Mashainkin by the Pasuk of Mikvah Yisrael, Mikvah Yisrael doesn't stress that point as much because it could be talking about lower levels of Avera. Meaning is the Mikvah Yisrael, that even when you're not deserving, Hashem will bring you forgiveness for smaller Averas. Right? So it, it doesn't, sh- but if it's smaller Averas, what does that mean? Meaning is you still have a connection to Hashem. You did an Avera. You didn't do Tshuva on that Avera. But you still have a connection. We, we still see that uh, you have a connection to Hashem. Therefore, Hashem will bring uh, that Tahara to you. But we wouldn't know when everything is completely severed, would we still, Hashem, bring that Tahara? And the answer is yes, because you're essentially united with Hashem, and that connection will always be revealed. Masha'en came by the mikveh Yisrael, you could touch up that Pasuk to mean that really uh, the reason why Hashem is bringing you a Tahara is because you still have a connection to it, meaning is that uh, there could be such a concept that the etzim of the yid could be disconnected from Hashem. It's just that you didn't reach that level yet. So since you never disconnect yourself completely from Hashem, so you're still connected to Hashem. And therefore, since you still have some connection, Hashem will bring you tower, even though you might not be deserving of it. But if you completely cut yourself off, then maybe there's no more connection to you and Hashem. Therefore, the other Pasuk of Zerakli Aleichem is telling us that's impossible. There's always an essential connection from Hashem to the Jewish people because our connection is not a full, a limited type of a connection. If it was a limited type of connection, then Akinam, you do a certain Avera, it's done. But what we're telling us, Hashem's, what the Pasuk's telling us is that is a Kesher Atman, essential, eternal type of connection. Therefore, Hebrew Lekiv is a cost of Hashani, Mikva Yisrael Hashem, Shani Madam, Zmam Yuchad Bazar, Uba, Zeba, Echi, Chazash, and Amakas Zarak, the Kayab Chazmani. Therefore, Rabbi Kiva also, but since, at the end of the day, you can tie choice that the Zarak, the Alechem, Enechinami teaches us that we always have an essential connection to Hashem. But when does it become revealed? Sorry. Um, no, you could still tie choice that has nothing to do with our essential connection to Hashem. Rather, it's a special time, like for whatever reason, it's a very special time. Sometimes in Chassidus, it gives a mashal that um, at a time when a, a person has a child, a son, that gets married, especially if it's a bad yachid, uh, what you had in your old age, the father has so much joy, he can even dance with his greatest enemy, right? So it's not, why are you dancing with your enemies? Because you have a love for him? No, you don't. It's just because you're so happy. It's such a special time for you, you can even connect to your enemy. So you can take choice that maybe the Zerakli Aleichem is because it's a special time. So therefore, we keep a need to bring the second pasuk of Mikvah Yisrael. Mikvah Yisrael is not talking about a special time period, but nonetheless, what do we see? That even though it's not a special time, Hashem still brings us forgiveness. Why? Because we have a connection to Hashem. So it's not a special time. So it's just because of the connection that the Jewish people have for Hashem, Hashem will bring us forgiveness. So we see that there's a concept of forgiveness that comes because of our connection. So that's what the second Pasuk proves. But then we can go back to the first Pasuk and say, ah, oh, it's a Zabazach. Just like the second Pasuk, it's because our connection brings forgiveness. Also the first Pasuk, the Zerakli Aleichem, is also because of our special connection that we have with Hashem. So we need both Pasuk, in, in a sense, to express this idea. Um, right? The second Pasuk is just to show this concept that Hashem will bring forgiveness because of our connection. And the first Pasuk is the main one, is that once we know that there's such a concept of bringing forgiveness because of connections, we can say that Hashem will bring this connection, uh, bring this forgiveness even to the greatest level of Tmei Mesa and disconnection that you had from Him because that we are His children. Okay. On the other hand, there's a mind on the first Pasuk, and Adarab, it's the first proof, it's the main one. Therefore, because it speaks about the Ataras Yisrael, 
that comes because of our essential connection of a Jew to Hashem. Test. Is even though the main tire that comes from above is the essential connection we have with Hashem, which is expressed through the the Hazah, the sprinkling uh, which which purifies even from Tumas Mace. But Kalmakam he says Yeshva Ainza Gam Batara the Mikva. Even though, nonetheless, he says, there's a me'ain of this um, tahara that comes even by mikvah. Meaning is, that even by mikvah Yisrael, the tahara doesn't just come because we only did, you know, some of theirs, and we still have our revealed type of connection to Hashem. You know, you do mitzvahs and you've done many good things in your life. So therefore, because of the schus of all these mitzvahs that you've done throughout your life and, and, and the neshama that you have, which is still revealed to a certain degree, that will bring you forgiveness. The problem with that is it would only be a limited type of forgiveness because it's based on how many mitzvahs you did, what level of connection you have in a revealed way, that much of a revealed connection you're able to reveal, uh, you're able to work on and develop in this world. But Rakiva is trying to tell you that that's actually even greater that even the tower that comes from a mikvah, because of some, maybe something you're somewhat deserving of, that comes from a Kaddish Baruch meaning is Hashem gives you a tower much more than what you deserve. So even by mikvah Yisrael, when you still have some connection to Hashem, the tower that Hashem is going to bring to you is going to be much more than what you're deserving of. It comes because a Kaddish Baruch Hu Metayis Yisrael. Now we can explain another deeper of the words of Rabbi Kiva. It says, just like a mikvah's matar, those who are tameh. just could have said something very similar. Tameh is extra. Just said, just like a mikvah's matar, also Hashem's matar. Obviously, who else would you bring tahar to, you know, unless the person's tameh? So it's extra words because it's pashat. He says the din of the mikvah is that tefillah is able to purify even a little bit of the tumah. Meaning is sometimes a person might have many tumas. He beats may mace and you can have tumas, other types of tumas carries, tumas sharets, you can have other tumas that you have. So the chiddush of the din of the mikvah is that even you could be go to mikvah and get rid of the lighter tumas that you have, even though you're still going to be tmei mace, for example. You still need to get the uh, the, the sprinkles of the duma, the mechat is sprinkled on you. True, you're still going to need that. But you don't need to wait for that to happen. You could still go to mikvah and get rid of the lower levels of tumah that a person has. So therefore, the Mishnah is being medayik. Meaning is, they're still Tame. The mikvah is the Tame, even those who remain Tame, even after the mikvah. Uh, so similarly, Hashem will Matara, those Jewish people that even after um, they've done, let's say, Truva, they are still considered Tame. Meaning, a person should not think that if you do tshuva only on a portion of your verse, you only did tshuva on one aver that you did, 
that Hashem's not going to accept your tshuva because you only did a little bit of tshuva. You're only doing one of air, but you have so many other various, maybe even worse of errors that you've done that you haven't done tshuva before, so Hashem's not going to accept it. That's not true. Rather, he says, just like a mikvah is matar, those who are tame, meaning is that they're still going to be tame even after they went to the mikvah. But it's matar, Hashem, the mikvah is matar them from the lower levels of tumah. Similarly, Hashem will matar the Jewish people even if they remain tame because of other verse, but Hashem will matar you for whatever verse that you've done tshuva for. What's the explanation? He says the reason is because Hashem is forgiving you. Meaning is even the tar that comes from the mikvah is not because you're deserving. It's because of the koyach of your avayda. It's mitzad Hashem. It's becoming because of our essential connection to Hashem. Therefore, it doesn't have any limitations. Therefore, it doesn't have any limitations. Therefore, even it will be able to be nimshach in all types of circumstances and all types of time periods. Even with someone who, after he has this tower, will have some type of other tumah, nonetheless, Hashem can be matari. Meaning, since we're talking about Hashem who's, who's, who's infinite, he could bring tara and the union of Tahara even to something in a place of Tumah. Similar to, as we know, by Yitzhi Pesrah, Hashem went down to the Mem Tashari Tumah and brought the Jewish people out. Only Hashem could have done that. Not a Malach, not a Srap. You needed an unlimited power. So, also over here, since it's Hashem that's in Matariu, we have this infinite power. Hashem can bring us forgiveness even when we still remain somewhat tummy. Zuhi Ara, Haniflash. And maybe this is also another way you could read the Mishnah, if, if, if you're going, let's go back to it. That Rehiva says, Ashrecham Yisrael, how fortunate are you? In front of who are you in Matar? So some portion want to learn, is actually saying, who do you work on? You're trying, you're working on bringing the Tahar. means in front of whom do you as a Jewish person do tshuva and try to bring Tahar from? And me Matar Eschem, and who brings you Tahar? Right, so is expressing your avaida, and mi is expressing Hashem who's giving you the tahara. So the first one is Rususul Sat, the second is Rusul Ela, and then we say Avikhushmain. And then it brings two psukin. Brings the Pasagazarakti Alechem, which of course is a sham bringing us the Miyatam Tar. That's the ultimate level of purity uh, that comes, even if we're completely not deserving. And then there's mikvah Yisrael, which a mikvah, you have to dip into the mikvah. Right? You're going into the mikvah, you're doing tshuva, you're dipping in. But nonetheless, in front of who are you doing this tower? Why is it important in front of who? Because who's the one who's going to bring you the tower of Rappel? Even if you've done some tshuva, the one who brings you the tower of Rappel, of course, is Hashem, as we just explained. Let's finish the sicha. This is the amazing lesson in the words of Kiva. He says, Ayid comes and requests from Hashem, and he says, I cannot be, I can't, I don't, I can't be regret all of my affairs from a lack of energy and automatically a lack of time. But I do have a few moments of free time, and I regret and I confess on those affairs that are bothering me the most. 
You can think that Hashem is not going to accept this truth. You're such a bad person. You've done so many bad things. Hashem's going to forgive you just for these small things. Or these things that you feel bad about. That's not true, Bikiva says. He says, you are fortunate because how great is your portion? That whenever Hashem sees a Yid turn to him to do tshuva, whatever Inyan it is, he forgives you right away. Hashem is Matar Yisrael. It's a Kaddish Baruch Hu that's Matar. Then, of course, Hashem will help you to fill the mitzvah of one mitzvah, pulls you and, and, and to the next mitzvah, until you become completely potter from all of your affairs, until you, until you reach the level of Baal Tshuva. And we know that even Sadiq and Gemur are not able to stand in the place of the Baal Tshuva.